invest in your marriage. You have to invest in your, listen, if you are single, I want to just start off by having just a little tidbit. We're going to answer some questions, but a little tidbit for those that are single. You know, take the time that you're single and work on you. Now, if you're re-single, meaning you were married or whatever, and you've uh, either gone through a divorce or maybe uh, widowed, uh, listen, you know, whether you find somebody else or not, you there's always time to work on you. Brother Chuck, I know I just compliment you on doing a great job, but I hear a little ringing and it's going to, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just getting started. So I, I kind of get louder as I go and I don't want to, I don't want to cause it to, to uh, amplify. So what are we going to do? We're going to work on us. Everybody say work on me. Now here's what's great about that. As you, after you get married. You, you find your spouse, you get married, that does not stop. If you learn to do that when you're single, you'll learn, you know, uh, and, and people say it, and I know what they mean, right? You find your other half. And we all know what that means. But the truth is, you really want, when you get married, to have a 100% person marry a 100% person. Meaning, I love them, I want them, I want them to want me, but I'm not dependent on them for me to function. I'm not dependent on them for me. My my walk with God is not dependent on them. My stability financially is not dependent on them. My stability uh, emotionally is not dependent on the significant other. And so how do you get to that point? You work on you. And so I want to say this. This is, uh, I prepared all week, actually for several weeks you know, even in doing other sermons, I started picking up relationship, relationship material, dusting off some books on the shelf, um, you know, listening to this week. I listened to a lot of different preaching and teaching on relationships, preparing for today. And uh, I didn't really have like a theme for my segment. I didn't, you know, I like having like a thematic, didn't really have it until last night. I had all these different things I'd written down and all these different points, and I couldn't really figure out how to If they fit in a box, they don't have to. So I was like, well, maybe they just won't. And the Lord put this on my heart last night. I want you to say it with me. Everybody say, break the cycle. cycle. You do not have to have the same type of relationship and the same results that you've seen in your life. In other words, your your family, and this is not, I had had great great upbringing, great family, um, great parents. Um, My parents went through a divorce. Now, this is, they, they watch a lot of stuff, so I'm not, like, that's not a knock on them. There was lots of situations, lots of things that went on, and I'm not even going to try to speak on all that. But when, when it came time for me to start preparing to get married and really looking for a spouse, I determined I am not going to have the same result. And again, that's not a knock on them. It's just that's how it worked out for them. But I'm, I'm determined to figure out how to not have that happen in my life. And I started with this. That's not God's best. You know, Brother Hagin, Brother Kenneth Hagin is somebody I like to quote a lot. He was a great man of God. And he said this. He said, um, he actually wrote a book. We have it out there. It's called Marriage, Divorce, and Remarriage. And, uh, and he's, he's going on to be with the Lord. He's an older, obviously, old school guy. He's, he's already went to, went to heaven and he lived a full life. So he lived in the time where the church would persecute you if you went through a divorce. I mean, if you went through a divorce, I mean, it was, I mean, you, you might as well, you just had to leave the church. I mean, it was like, it was brutal. And he said this, he said, you know, everybody always says that God's against divorce. But if you talk to divorced people, you'll find out they're against it too. 
Nobody really likes that. Nobody wants to go through that. And so as we go and we answer these questions today, I'm going to try to work through my points and, uh, uh, and, and, and work them into answering the questions all at the same time because I kind of knew some of the, can you come on up? I kind of knew some of the questions um, ahead of time. Some of them, I don't, I don't remember all of them. So she's going to surprise me and I'll tell you when to start with the first question. But, uh, you know, I want to try to work in this theme of break the cycle. You know, and, and when, I, when I say break the cycle, I don't just mean um, things you've seen in your life, your own tendencies. If you, if you realize, man, I always am the one that instigates the fights, everybody say it again, say break the cycle. You can break the cycle. You do not have to just, well, this is who I am and I'm going to be that way for the rest of my life and, and my spouse is just going to have to deal with it. Well, have we forgotten that Jesus is the one that changes us? That the Holy Spirit, he gave us the Holy Spirit to help us, to work on us. I don't want to be the same. We've been married for eight years. I'm excited about the eight years, but I'm looking forward to, what would they say, 39? I'm looking forward to 39. And when I get to, yeah, amen. When I get to 39, though, I don't want it to feel like it does today. It can get better over the next 20, uh, 31 years. I had to do quick math there. I almost messed that one up. Amen. All right, let's start. Let's kick it off. Go ahead and kick it off with the, the, actually, can I read one scripture first? Ephesians 5, 31 through 33. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two, everybody say the two, shall become one flesh. Everybody say one. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in your Each one of you in particular, so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Amen. Let's read this first first question, and then I'm going to try to work. I've got several points I'm going to work in as we go through this. First question. How do you always keep the fire alive in marriage for many years? What are some new ways to spark up your marriage? Some new ways to, well, we're coming in hot, aren't we, Miss Victoria? This is Miss Victoria, by the way. Y'all give it up for her. I meant to introduce her as she came up. All right. How do we spark up the marriage? How do we, how do we keep it hot? Okay. Well, number one, talking about breaking the cycle, you, you, can't, you, <laughs> the, the, you can't stop doing what you did when you were dating. Now, it's going to look different. Like, and I, I hear some little kids, so I, I won't say the, the word that rhymes with T-Rex, but... But when you have little kids, that changes. You know, I mean, I mean, we got we went through honeymoon phase. We had all the kids. We had all that. And all of a sudden there's an 11 pound hairball sleeping between us in the bed. What happened? What happened? So things change. So how do you keep the spark alive? I think you have to be and and this I would write this down. Be purposeful. Be very purposeful. Life. Life happens on its own. Like life, life just keeps rolling. You're going to leave here today. You're going to have notes. You're going to have uh, all these th- thoughts. The Lord's going to speak to you today. I believe that. We prayed for that. We asked for that. God, speak to these people today. Help them in their marriages. If they're single, help them understand. Man, I want to find the right one. Give them a, a desire. Man, help them, Lord. And you're going to have that. And then you're going to go to work tomorrow. And life is going to happen. You've got to be purposeful in, in staying uh, engaged with your spouse. Otherwise... The, the comfortability 
being comfortable with them will, will cause the growing cold that we hear about. So in other words, I just, I'm just used to, this is how they are, this is what I do, I have my routine, she has her routine, or whatever, and you go through the routines, and you've got to be purposeful to, everybody say it again, say break the cycle. Every once in a while, now, and I, this is something relatively new, because we hit that, they say you change every seven years. So, so like I said, we've been married eight years, we just kind of hit that, and I started evaluating. I would also write that down. Evaluate. How are things actually going? Don't wait till it's a disaster and you're fighting three times a day to say, we should probably work in our marriage. Work on it now. Now, if that is you today and you're fighting three times a day, God will help you as well. And we'll cover that in a second. But evaluate, but be purposeful. So what are we going to do? We're going to make time. And I, this is what I'm starting to say. I, I will, I, I just may, determine like, okay, we need to just to kind of disrupt the flow. Like if I let this weekend go, it's going to be Sunday, we're going to do church, and then Sunday afternoon we get ready, and Friday and Saturday we'll go by like that, and we'll have no fun, and have, it'll just be gone. And, and I, can, I kind of keep the thumb on the pulse, so to speak, of I need, I need to do that. Now, the man, let me, let me read you another scripture let me, while I'm working through my points. 1 Corinthians 11.3, but I want you to know, but this is Paul. He was writing to the church. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. Everyone say Christ is the head. He's the head of the church. All right. And so Paul's explaining to us. So as that's the case, he goes on to say, but the head of woman is man and the head of Christ is God. So you have God, Jesus, the church, us, and then you have Husband is the head of the wife. That's what the Bible says. I'll give you another one. Ephesians 5, 24. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Everybody say, as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Now, I pulled this from my study this week. Because this is a popular question, I think I might be jumping ahead on a question that somebody asked. Is, does this mean that the husband gets to lord over the wife? Let me, let me, let me break it down to you. Let me define male-female equality. When God created human beings, he said, let us create humans, let us create man, but he, he described that as humans. It was the word there, he created man first, but he said, let's create them in our own image. And then the Bible says this, in their own image, he created them. Everybody say them. Yeah. So man and woman were created in the same image of God. The reason that man needed woman is because God said it's not good for him to be alone, and so he created a companion. As you heard Joe, Joe McGee talk about, uh, the, the way we work together is, it, I mean, it's God orchestrated. So uh, what do we know then? All right, we, we, as far as under God, we're, we're, we have the same value. You could write this down. I got, I got an amen corner over there. Praise God. If nobody's going to shout me down, you will, Gabriel. Appreciate you, bro. All right. So, uh, everybody write this down. Say, same value, different function. All right? So, the value is not different. 
You can't look, uh, look at the value different. It's a different function. So let's define biblical headship. So that's biblical uh, equality, biblical headship. In the part, now I'm reading this straight out of my study. In the partnership of two spiritually equal human beings. So when you have a partnership, man and woman, they're two spiritually equal human beings, man and woman. The man bears the primary responsibility to lead the partnership in a God-glorifying direction. I'm going to read that last part again. The man bears the primary responsibility to lead partnership in a God-glorifying direction. Have a seat for just a second, because I'm, I'm, I'm going to drive this home, and then we're going to come back to the questions. Biblical headship does not mean lordship. It means responsibility. It means I have the responsibility of, of like I said, if I want to keep the spark alive, that was the question. How do I keep the spark alive? I can put it off on her. Well, every, every time I try to get romantic, she just, you know, acts this way. And then I don't, and then my wife's not like this. I'm just saying things I hear other men say. Sometimes I talk like this and then I don't clarify. My wife's like, they're going to think you're talking about me. No, let me clarify. But, but, but I mean, seriously, it's, uh, you know, men talk and you hear that kind of thing. Oh, well, well, you know, I mean, I mean, I saw this post the other day and a guy documented every time he tried to have T-Rex with his wife. All of the excuses. He documented it in an Excel spreadsheet. Tired, tired, worked hard, don't feel like it, not into it, silence. Uh, And then one was like, uh, shrugged it off or something like that. It was kind of a funny post, but, you know, let let me help you out. This this is going to hurt, but this is the truth. It's actually your responsibility. If your wife doesn't want to have T-Rex with you, we have kids in here trying to be sensitive. I told y'all we were going to have fun today. If, if, if your wife, when's the last time you did some of the things you, I mean, because when you got engaged, y'all, I mean, when you got married, you could barely get back to the hotel room. Right? And then now all of a sudden, here we are, and you don't want to touch each other. You bear a responsibility as the head of the home to say, okay, I need to fix this. I need, I need to fix this. And then, you know, let me bring back the first verse I read. It said, men love your wives, women respect your husbands. So each of us have a responsibility in the, in the relationship. My responsibility as the man is to love my wife. Now, I'll respect, I'll honor, I'll do the other things, but the primary thing I have to do is love her. And as I read to you earlier, I have to show that. I can't just say it. I say it a lot. But I started going back, y'all heard, I, I told you on purpose that we dated long distance. We would text a lot during those times. We would text a lot. Like it was a lot of texting. I, uh, recently, I started that back up. Because we lost that. And I realized that was something we used to do. And those little words of affirmation, thinking about you, love you, hope you're having a good day. And then, and then I, I started it, and then I noticed now, She'll, she'll do it. Just little updates. I had that meeting I told you about. It went really well. Like, that means a lot. Because she could text anybody. She could text her teacher, other teacher friends. She could text, you know, her family. I, I want to be her best friend. 
And so I took that responsibility on. We got to get some more questions, but I think that that, that, that kind of that helps. So what are some practical things you could do as she, as she walks back up? Be purposeful um, and break the, break the cycle. Break the mundane. Break the routine. Every once in a while, spend, you know, $10 and just go, go get her a Starbucks and bring it to her at work. Go break the cycle. Break the thing. Just, just a reminder, you meet. Let me give you something else. And I, I know I'm talking a lot to men because I'm not a woman. So, but, but it works the same. The women can take what I'm saying and apply it, all right? You know, uh, show your man you mean more than, than whatever else you got going on. And for the men, that's really important to the wife. Her job's to respect you, right? And if she does, it's a cycle. You'll love her. Don't, don't disrupt the cycle. All right, next question. We got to keep moving. What do you do when one spouse wants to tie and the other does not? Also, should couples tie and play together instead of individually? Okay. All right. So um, this is a really good question. All right. What happens when one spouse wants to tithe and the other one doesn't? Well, first of all, um, you have to realize tithing is a covenant between you and God. It's a biblical covenant. So when you tithe, it's you and your relationship with God saying, I'm going to do that. Now, this, this is unique because uh, in, all right, my wife and I, we have one bank account. I know that's not common nowadays. A lot of couples don't do that, but we have one bank account. So I don't know whoever asked this question. I don't know your bank account. I don't know how you do it. So I'm going to try to cover both. If you have one bank account and this is the case, it's a little trickier because your money all goes in together. Right. And so your money goes in together, but you need to find a way. If you have gotten the revelation of God's word and you say, you know what? I believe what this says. I believe the Bible. I want the blessings. Here's the great news. If you decide to tithe either spouse and the, and the other one doesn't, the blessings will still come to you because God's word always works. So you will be blessed. You will be blessed regardless of whether your spouse does or not. Now, I would encourage you, if your money's separate, it's probably a little bit easier because you have your money come in and you can write your own checks or do your own debit card or whatever. But if it's money's together, you need to have a discussion and say, I bring money into this household. We're determined together. You know, couples should budget together. Don't let one couple budget without the other one. I make, I make my wife, I'm the budgeter. I like to budget. I don't always abide by it, but I like to pretend. Come on. Anybody else? I like, to, I, I like to have the budget, and I know, okay, this is what we're shooting for. And then by the 15th of the month, I'm like, well, that's out the window. <laughs> but when, I, when we do the bu budget, we, we try to do it every month. I make her look at it. I got this from uh, Dave Ramsey. If you've ever read his stuff, he's got really good stuff. And, and, and he said, you have a budget meeting every month. All right? So we, have, we, 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 we do that. I make her look at it. Here's where we're at. Last, last month, baby, we spent, we spent, look at what we spent on food. Can we not do that this month? You know, can we not? Can we, and I, we work on it. I make her involved in it, okay? Now, we're in agreement, so we tithe together. So we put all our money together and we tithe together. If you, if you, if you have uh, money together, I would have that budget meeting and say, okay, out of the money, here's where everything else we're spending. I need, I want to obey God's word and I want to take out of my check and I want to tithe this amount. And then let the blessings of God prove it to the other spouse. And I would remind him or her every time. Hey, you see that? 
That's because I tithe. And, and they'll reap the benefits of your, your obedience to God. I wrote this down. Joseph covered the city. If you think about the story of Joseph, I don't have time to go into it. But he covered the city because of his righteousness. Because of, of his righteousness. So the uh, other question was what about prayer? Should we pray together? Should we pray together? Um, you know, I, I do think that would be important. But you have to, again, you have to have your own personal relationship with God. So you need to have your personal prayer time. But I think you do need to make time. We started that, again, for the longest time, we didn't really do that. Now, I could tell if she hadn't prayed. And she could, I'm sure she could tell if I hadn't been praying. Because you can tell, you get to know your spouse. And so um, I did a message a couple weeks ago on fasting. It was um, devotion, was the season, uh, week two. And, um, and, and, and typically I would just kind of fast on my own. But the Lord put on my heart, and I'm not going to tell you the, 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 the details because it's not to boast or make us seem like super holy or whatever. But we just made a determination. We're going to fast this number of days each month, and we're going to do it together. We've never done that before. Uh, We may not do it next year, but for this year, the Lord put on my heart and we're going to do that. We've already done it in January. It was, it was amazing. We took time each night and we had a little prayer meeting in our living room each night of the fast. Amazing. And so when you, when, when you make a point to do that, it really does help. All right. Um, if I, if you've, if I didn't answer your tithing question, um, ask me afterwards. We're going to do one more question and then tomorrow, tomorrow, uh, I don't know if we'll do it or not, but all the pastors, Pastor Justin in Georgetown, Pastor Steve, we're supposed to do a, a podcast and we'll put it out on all of our channels and, uh, and we're going to call it like Soulmate Spillover or something like that. So all the questions we didn't get to answer, we're going to try to answer tomorrow. So I know I'm not going to get to them all. All right, keep going. Last question. How do you keep composure and correct your children properly? Okay, let's talk again. All right, and then you can, y'all get it from Miss Victoria. And then, will you help me move it? Thank you. All right, break the cycle. So how do you keep composure? When you're talking about raising kids, you need to remember this. You're not raising kids, you're raising adults. This was a great revelation. I got that from Pastor Steve and I've I've, I've launched onto it. I'm not raising kids, I'm raising adults. I want them to, to grow up and be adults. Now, you do not have to correct your children the same way you were corrected growing up. You do not. You can determine, you know what? I think there's a better way. You can read books for yourself. You can look at, you know, um, I said this a few weeks ago about prayer, but it applies to this too. If you see a family that has really good kids, they're, they're, they're working it well, get to know them. Find out, I see this fruit in your life. What are you doing to your tree? How are you watering it? Y'all understand what I'm saying? Like, what are you doing to your life to get the fruit, to get the results that you're, that you're having? So how do you keep composure? Um, this, is, this will also work for fighting. I don't know if this is one of my notes or not, but, or one of my points. Um, actually, it is. Everybody say this. Say deflate, deflate. Don't, inflate. don't inflate. So we're breaking the cycle, right? We're determining I'm not going to do the same things I used to do. I'm not going to do the same things my parents did. I'm not going to do the same things I did with my first marriage. I'm not going to do the same things I did with the first couple, uh, the first, you know, couple of uh, relationships that I had and I, you know, we were, I was dating, I was dating and it, it ended terribly every time and it was disastrous. 
You know, if you're dating, you know, don't have sex. Because if you do, oh, sorry, don't have T-Rex. Because if you do, you get soul ties in there, and then you're, and then you're tied together in, in, in a way. And then if, if that's not the one, it's, a, it's disastrous. Okay, that's not, I'm getting off. Stay on the point. Here we go. Ready? Ready. Well, do you, <laughs> ready. How do you keep your composure? Deflate, don't inflate. This will also help when you're fighting with your spouse. There's a great book out there. Um, uh, I'm missing the title, but it's on um, uh, negotiation and, and, and they don't use the word fighting, but basically fighting with your spouse. Not everything has to be a fight. You know, if you, le- if you learn to deflate instead of inflate. Look, if, if <clears throat> I, I grew up in a household, uh, I love my dad. Like, I really do. I don't, I, don't, I don't spend as much time with him as I should, and I don't, I mean, he's just, I love my dad. And this is the kind of dad I grew up with, right? Like, we went to this wrestling match one time, all right? And uh, he was really into wrestling. I wasn't that into it, but I was into it because he was into it. So we got right by the, the area where the guys come out, right? The guys come out to the ring. And you know, if you've ever watched wrestling, and I'm sure you've seen clips of it, they, they hype them up, the lights are going, the guys are coming out. And there were these two guys, my dad, I guess, I don't know, I don't know why I didn't keep up with the wrestling. I didn't know, but I guess he didn't like them. So my dad leans over the rail and says something to him. Yo, I don't know how old I was. I, I'm 10, 12 or whatever. And, and we didn't cuss in our house. Like we had a good, good, clean household. I mean, maybe every once in a while you might hear a word. Or then, of course, when I got older, I heard it in school. But I hadn't heard anybody cuss like this. These two guys about jumped over the rail at my dad. I, and blah, 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 blah. Beep, 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 beep. And I'm like, whoa, what in the world happened? I didn't even hear what my dad said. He said, I'm going to knock you bleep in the next week. Talking to my dad. Well, my dad keeps going back at him. I'm like, dude, you're crazy. I mean, you're big, but you ain't that big. I mean, these guys are big. Okay. And again, I love my dad. I'm not, I mean, this is just like one of the stories I thought of. That's inflating. When your, your spouse comes in and, and, and they make a comment, maybe they've had a bad day. Maybe they've had, and they, they interject that on you. You have a choice. I can inflate this or deflate this. Because you know, if you've been married five minutes, you know how to get at them. You know what you can say? Oh, oh really? Oh, we're doing that today? The other night, I don't have time to tell the story, but just deflate, don't inflate. Deflate, don't inflate. Write that down. Deflate, don't inflate. Pray, listen, and wait. Take your concerns to your spouse. Take your concerns. Take them to your spouse. Don't don't just, you know, uh, passively, aggressively say things. And and if, I'm going to talk to the men. If your wife brings valid concerns to you, don't shrug them off. Don't shrug them off. Oh, you just always get that way, and you got that from your mother, and you got that. Don't do that kind of stuff. If she brings valid concerns, listen. 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 It'll mean something to her. All right, we're going to keep going. We're going to do so much spillover tomorrow, hopefully, and and cover more of this. And uh, if you have questions that didn't get answered, let me know. I'd love to have them. I'm just looking through to see if there's anything else I really wanted to say. I already said you don't have to be like your parents. Let the Holy Spirit do his job. That was the last thing I wanted to say. Write this down. 
Actually, say it with me and then write it down. Ready? It's not my job to form my spouse into the image of Christ. You know, if you would just take some time when you are in a fight and you're in a debacle and just, you know, uh, I'm going to sit this one out. I started making a list of things that I wanted to deal with my wife about. And to this date, this started about two years ago. She's going to know now. She didn't even know I was doing this. So two years ago, I just started making a list. All right, we're going to work on that later. Now's not the time. I'm not going to talk about it right now. She's hot. Not like, I mean, she is hot, but like she's mad. She's escalated. That's, de- that's deflating. That's me. And I'm letting the Holy Spirit. And I'd, I'd, I wouldn't like spend like hours praying about it. Just let the Lord deal with it. And I don't know how many things were on this indiscreet list, but I should have kept track of it because I, time after time, I would never bring it, up, bring it up. It would never become an argument. We'd never discuss it. And she'd come to me a couple weeks, a couple months later and say, you know, I really got to work on such and such. I do that a lot. I'm like, yes, praise God. That's amazing. I'll help you with that, baby. I'll help you. Didn't have to fight about it. Didn't have to discuss it. She could probably tell from my body language and stuff that certain things bothered me. I'm sure. Because I kind of wear my emotions on my sleeve. But, but it wasn't a fight. We didn't have a blow up about it. And a couple things. The other thing that I've done is wait on the Holy Spirit to tell me, discuss it now. This happened just this past week. Something came up. And then I, I made the whole thing a joke. But I made my point. You know, maybe, maybe we shouldn't handle it. And I just kind of joked about it, laughed it off or whatever. But I made my point. You know, well, a couple hours earlier, I could have handled it then and it would have inflated. But I let the Holy Spirit help me. And then it came up and the Lord said, bring it up now. And as we started talking about it, she started laughing and I started laughing and made more jokes about it. Let the Holy Spirit help you. Let the Holy Spirit help you. Amen.